Bonjour, buongiorno, aloha, howdy, hey, hi, how are you, and welcome to the latest episode of Climax the Podcast, Love Letter to a Small Town. Hopefully this is a welcome back for just about everybody. I hope you enjoyed learning a lot last week from the archival episode, the recording of Ruth Harvey and Dwayne Drollett Sr., there was so much to learn in that one. We talked about the famous fire from Climax from the early 1900s, some of the more famous bank robbery attempts from people who were actually there or around the town when it happened. Also, a little editorial on last week's episode. I caught a, a whoopsie I did in the editing. At the end of the episode, I talked about uh, how it ended abruptly and how I had said that earlier. Well, I accidentally cut uh, that part out of the intro. So if it didn't make sense, this is my uh, correction to the last episode of the podcast. Sorry if there was any confusion there, but there was only so much I could do when that's where the recording stopped in the 1960s. Even though it didn't have a big definitive ending, there's still so much to learn and take away from the history of the town as Dwayne and Ruth go through it. Now, if you're new to this show, or maybe this is your very first episode, you can get all past episodes at ClimaxThePodcast.com. Our episodes so far in Season 1 have included Lark Murphy, a one-room schoolhouse special with Bethel Ebinger and Gertrude Carver, Mark Sinclair, an archival recording of Neva Vosberg's story, Julie Tiller, again last week Ruth Harvey and Dwayne Drollett Sr., and you'll also be able to find the last three or four episodes we have left here in Season 1 all there on ClimaxThePodcast.com. Like usual, that's going to be our segue to doing the business up front here on Climax the Podcast. Visit Climax the Podcast to get all our shows. You can listen to the show right there. There's a big click here to listen button. It even jumps up and down now. How fancy is that? Trying to make it as easy as possible for folks to find the show on the internet. Yes, you can listen to it right there in your web browser at ClimaxThePodcast.com, but there's also links to virtually every podcast platform that there is. You can get the podcast on Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and a whole bunch more. All in all, there's about 35 ways to catch this show. Also there, you'll find a few ways to actually support the podcast. This show will always be free to listen to, but it's not a free show to produce. A few folks had asked me very early on if there were ways they could support, help get the show going, or help keep the show going, and that's a great way you can do it. No guilt, no pressure. If you got a couple bucks and you want to kick it toward the show, you've got a button right there at the top of the page at ClimaxThePodcast.com. This love letter to a small town is brought to you in part by Kristen Wachowski from State Farm. Kristen's office is in Battle Creek. It's just off the intersection of Columbia and 20th Street. It's across the street from Ollie's and right behind Chicago Title in the Cherrydale Office Plaza. Now, insurance can be a really scary thing to shop for or look into because, let's face it, none of us want to think about all the things in life where we're going to need insurance. Like if we had a, a house flood, house fire, car accident anything surrounding life insurance. When you're looking for all these things, it's paramount you find someone you can trust. And given that I've known her since she was a kid, I implicitly trust Kristen with any insurance needs that I could refer her way. So whatever you may have for needs. So if you don't currently have insurance or you're considering a change, maybe you need new or different auto insurance, homeowner's insurance, condo insurance, renter's insurance, business insurance, life insurance, and more, you can give Kristen a call today at 269-968-5130, or you can visit her website, callkristin.com. That's callkristin, K-R-I-S-T-I-N.com. And this show would not be possible without the access we have had to the Prairie Historical Society archives. PHS does so much and has for decades documenting and archiving the town's history. They've done so for Climax and for Scott's, 
And there's just so much in the history room that you can learn about your own family, learn about the town, learn about the businesses, just about anything you could want to know the history of in the Climax and Scott's communities. PHS does have annual memberships, which are only $15, that will also get you their six times a year newsletter. In fact, they have a new edition coming up here in March, and that edition is going to take a dive into some of the genealogy efforts that have been made by PHS. People come to PHS fairly often, maybe folks from the area, maybe folks from outside the area trying to learn about their family, their bloodlines that ran through Climax or are currently run through Climax. And PHS has some really amazing stories of how they've helped people connect the dots on their family's history. It's a great organization to work with and to support. You can always check out the archives at the History Room when they're open at Lawrence Memorial Library. And if you're interested in becoming a member of PHS, you can send that $15 payment to Prairie Historical Society, 107 North Main Street, P.O. Box 82, Climax, Michigan, 49034. And of course, I want to get in a plug from my buddies Bruce and Crystal Rolfe over at the Climax Crescent. That's how I keep in touch with just about everything that's going on in town because I live far away. That's how I've been able to keep up on a lot of the really positive goings on at CS, which I'm going to get into here in just a second. But when I look into the data of this podcast, I know a lot of the listeners are no longer in Climax. But I want you to know there's still ways you can get the Climax Crescent. You can still get the print edition. A one-year subscription to the print edition is $31.25. You can get the e-edition for the exact same price, and I'll tell you, that's what I do because I don't have to wait for the post office to drop off a new issue since I'm further away. On Fridays, I just log in at theclimaxcrescent.com, and I get my Climax news just like that. You, you couldn't see it, but I snapped my fingers, I promise. Or if you'd like both, you can get a one-year subscription to both print and digital at $36.25 annually. You can sign up for that right at theclimaxcrescent.com. There's been a ton of stuff in the last week that I've been keeping up with through the paper and through the Climax Crescent social media. And just one thing I want to say is, go Climax Scots and go Climax Scots Martin, team hybrid for the wrestling team. I have not yet caught up on the results from the weekend, but I know we had several wrestlers from Climax Scots Martin team in the individual state finals. I know we had some CS students in the powerlifting state finals, and I saw the women's basketball team took home the district championship. It's great to see so many kids from these small towns we love so much doing great things. And now let's segue over to this week's main event. This is Season 1, Episode 7, Fresh Derriere with Dwayne Drollett Jr. Yes, that kind of is a groaner of a pun, but the reason I did that was twofold. Number one, I love a good pun, but number two is I've known Dwayne Drollett Jr. my entire life. And I associate him with puns or a lot of what the internet would now brand as a dad joke. I can tell you Dwayne's been making dad jokes since long before they had a label on the internet. And if you want a couple examples of what I'm talking about, check out the YouTube channel that we have linked at ClimaxThePodcast.com. One of, if not the very first video that we put on the YouTube channel was actually a trip through Climax, and that was hosted by Dwayne. And Dwayne did a lot of voiceover, a lot of narration, provided a lot of context, but I had a lot of laughs in that, and I think you will too. Check that out in the YouTube archives at ClimaxThePodcast.com. I also want to throw out a few different special thanks. First of all, I want to thank Jackie Zanotti for helping put this episode together. She put a bug in her dad's ear. She and I kind of conspired a little bit, and she was able to convince Dwayne it was a good idea. I called him, we set it up, and it all happened within like two or three days, I think. It was awesome. Thanks for making this super easy, Jackie and for being awesome in general. And I also want to thank Mark Drowlett and Andrea Zanotti-Twinkle 
Andrea helped me chase down all the photos that are being used to plug this week's podcast, so thank you very much for that. Some really fun photos of Dwayne. And then Andrea and Mark helped me put together a very special Christmas surprise where Dwayne and all of his kids had never heard this recording that we had last week of his father, Dwayne Drawlett Sr., and it was a moment I don't think anyone in the family's going to forget. It was really special to know that this was able to come off in that way and be a special memory for so many people in the family. And I'm hoping we can do a lot more of that as we do more of this podcast. And here's a bit of a moment of history for Climax the Podcast. The first ever father and son guest on the podcast last week, Dwayne Drollett Sr. Without any further ado, let's get to this week's main event. Season 1, Episode 7. Fresh Derriere with Dwayne Drollett Jr. Welcome back to another interview with Climax the Podcast, and I'm very happy to kick off what I'm going to call my nepotism series uh, with Ooh. one of my relatives. You can't use a word you can't spell. Okay, my uh, my uncle series. There you go. Uh, U-N-K-E-L, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but with me right now is someone a lot of folks in Climax should know, and I'm hoping to share a lot more of his story, Dwayne Drollett Jr. Yeah. Uncle Dwayne, welcome to Climax the yeah. Podcast, well, which looks you. suspiciously like your kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> it's where I'm comfortable, and I spend a lot of time here. Yeah? Yeah, I'm a very devout eater. <laughs> I was about to ask, on the cooking side or the... <laughs> Mainly eating. I, I've got the girth to prove it. <laughs> Nonsense. You you look like you haven't aged a day since I last saw you. <laughs> you need your eyes fixed. <laughs> <laughs> between, between the tint of your hair and the lack of mine, I'm trying to think of when yeah. the last time we had a chance yeah. to sit down together was. Well, Probably at Jackie's house a number of uh, years ago. Oh, yeah. Or maybe it's a Founder's been, Day. Hasn't been enough. Well, and that's part of what I'm trying to do with this podcast is yeah. force myself to get out and see more folks. Yeah. Like, but it's one thing I found with the small town living, and I'm sure you've got a better you know, sample of this than I do, is even though I've gone away for almost 21 years now to the big city, I can see folks that I have been part yeah. of my life for 20 years and we don't change two words. I come to Climax and we're going to have a God knows how long conversation like riding a bike and just yeah. picking up where we left off. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, uh, I lived here a long time. So many of my friends, though, were, they've gone on. And I'm, well, I'll be 89 in August, so I'm no kid anymore. Well, you look but, darn good for well, 89. God's been good to both my wife and I. And uh, as the last count between the two of us, we've got 41 grandchildren. Oh, my goodness. And 55 great-grandchildren and Holy one great-great-granddaughter. So where's the great-great? Great-great is, well, her name, she was just born in January. Her name is Faye Clementine Drollette, and she's a cutie. So who of the grandkids... Whose okay. child's child would that Here be? Here we go. For me, Russ is my son. That is great-grandpa. His son, Derek, is grandpa. His boy, Luke, is the new daddy. 
Oh, my goodness. And Luke and Olivia were married a little over, oh, about a year and a half ago. And now they have come forth with the great-great-granddaughter. I don't know how to feel about Derek, who was in the same grade as my uh, one of my older sisters, yeah. being a grandfather. I really don't know how to feel about Guess that what? right now. I don't think he does either. <laughs> <laughs> I just get that feeling. Well, just <clears throat> just in what you shared there, Dwayne, the just the family ties and the longevity yeah. of this community. Oh. This, your entire life has been in this community, has yeah. it not? Yeah, I was looking at Rotary the other day, and man, all the old guys, Newell Sinclairs and John Culvers, Ray Smiths, and I've got to be careful because I'm leaving. I'll leave a lot of them out, but those guys are all gone, and they're all friends. Niles Hagelshaw, and uh, you know these are guys I grew up with, I respected, and my dad was one of them. Well, your dad was. Uh, probably the most literal man about town as I've been digging in and doing more homework on what to me is great grandpa drawlet. Just, he had his literally giant hands in just about everything in town. Yeah. The biggest feet you ever saw, (laughs) but God bless him. He was a good dad. He was a great dad. Well, the infamous uh, family story is, was it a silver dollar or a half dollar that he could pass through his uh, Mason ring? A 50 cent piece half dollar it would go right through his ring and somehow that ring got lost i felt when we were cleaning out his stuff that was gone i don't know whatever happened to it yes there was uh you know i don't know where our conversation today is going to air one episode's going to be the recording you got to hear around the christmas holiday where Uh, we have your father talking to my grandmother and in doing a little bit of homework for that, I found these pictures of Dwayne Sr. walking yeah. through town, and he's a literal giant head and shoulders yeah. above everybody else in town. Yeah, he was a big man, six foot three, 300 pounds. And if he was in the room, you knew it. <laughs> By a lot of things, not just his size. He wasn't a quiet guy. Well, I've also heard legend of his pats on the back, oh. though, a, though a term of endearment. Uh, were yeah. something to be cautious of or to brace yourself for. Well, as a kid, you didn't want to wrestle with Dad because you, yeah, it was no contest, please be. <laughs> he was so strong. I'd look at him, though. He was, didn't have any muscles showed, that really showed. And I'd look at the other guys' dads who were quite a lot younger. Cecil Bosberg and different ones, they'd have their shirts off and we'd be working Oh, their cords and their arms are just, I'd look at my dad. He didn't have any bulging muscles. But yet I saw him pick a, a bull once that was pin, trying to pin him, and he threw it on its back. <laughs> Good Lord. He grabbed it by the horns, and he threw the thing on its back. The farm Farmer <laughs> strength is a different kind of strength. It's not going to win any bodybuilding competitions in most cases. I kind of thought he was just a big wimp. <laughs> you know. Just, there's just so many examples uh, that I've heard from different members of the family throughout yeah, the years of yeah. just the freakishly strong yet most loving and adoring oh. father and grandfather. Yeah, he was he was tender as he is. And, you know, he was supervisor from 1934 to 1971. And the, so I got to meet a lot of people. I go around with him sometimes. That's Those are days when... 
Now a lot of that work is done out of Kalamazoo. He was more like a county commissioner, but I'd go to different places that were looking for some help and were looking for answers and stuff. So I knew a lot of old people, and I knew a lot of other old supervisors we'd go see. I was quite often with him, and I, you know, I went over to Fairmont Hospital as a kid, young kid, and I saw all these people laying in iron lungs and things like that. Things that you never can forget. And that's something that, you know, th- this show has a pretty wide r- range of listener viewership. I know there's a couple kids in the school system currently listening to it, and then we've got, you know, some of the, the old guard of town, if you will, listening to it as well. And things like an iron lung for the kids today, like that was by, uh, mostly byproduct of polio, right? Yep, it, exactly. It was over it. It's not open now, but they used to have what they called Fairmont Hospital. It was by Old 131. Actually, it was on Old 131, the other side of Kalamazoo. Kind of a grab green walls. You went in there, and it smelled like uh, what they put people under with. Uh, Formaldehyde? No, 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 no. Chloroform? Chloroform. Chloroform and chlorine. I guess formalde- or, uh, Boy, formaldehyde I, isn't putting them out. It's it's a little I'd, bit further down the road. I'd sick so tight to dad when I was in there because I didn't want him to leave me there <laughs> <laughs> accidentally. But, oh, oh and I felt so sorry. I was just a kid. You see those people just laying there. It's like a coffin with a glass top. And they're pumping oxygen to them and breathing for them is what they're doing. Yeah, it's and a wild. Some of them have been in there years. Yeah, it's, and there's even still a few people today that are still in iron oh, yeah. lungs out yeah. there. I didn't even know it was open yet. Okay, I thought... Well, well I don't know if that, that facility isn't, but there are people in the world that oh, still yes, have the, yes, the yes. iron lung doing right. the mechanics of yeah. breathing for them. Right. Yeah. That stuff was no joke, but... Oh, we had, <laughs> we had our disease in those days... Uh, I knew personally a few kids that had shrunken legs from polio. They'd lived through it. They limped the rest of their life. And uh, a couple that didn't make it. Uh, We didn't invent all these diseases that, I mean, there there was always something as I look back, you know, uh, if you go back in your own life, go back to the AIDS problem or We've had that ever since I can remember. Those kind of things that crop up. Yep, and then the the almost gross misunderstanding or lack of understanding at first, followed by here's some more information, followed by, hey, remember when we didn't know? Well, sometimes the misinformation screws things up so bad it takes forever to straighten the truth out. Yeah, and we've we've just, I don't want to make this a sidebar, but we just went through another wave of that. Is a nation kind of still riding that wave to a degree well, right we're now? We're on the edge of other waves. You can see, and we don't know which is real. Is this something else? Well, that's all the more reason I appreciate coming home. Is yeah. you come to climax, you talk to any person here, you know what you're in for—just genuine caring, oh. a, a story, a, a hug, Thanks. and a smile. And oh boy, that's why I, you know. I love my little community. I love my people. I've been in all my life. I respect them. And they're no more perfect than I am, but uh, you just take each other as you are and appreciate it. Well, and that's something I wanted to talk about on the family side of things is there's a lot of different uh, 
talk and movements and activity in the world at large about uh, just inclusivity. And our family has always been kind of a a band of wayward souls or welcoming to wayward yeah. souls or oh, folks yeah. who maybe were a little little bit different than yeah. than others in the area. I mean, I think of I don't know how many families from that time had an Uncle Ruth. Oh yeah. Or uh, we also had Brace in the family and just yeah. different folks who were we we're part of the family. They weren't treated yeah. any oh, differently. No. We're all Why part of the same be? group. Exactly. You know, I we had autism. I think some of the years ago. I don't know what they called it then, but. There were people that didn't catch on maybe quite as fast as others, but they were people. They were friends and good friends and loyal friends. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I'm i just an old guy rattling because, uh, well, I have been around a long time. I've seen a lot of changes. I think that's what you're supposed to say. But I did. I have seen a lot of And a lot of my good friends, they were older than I was, but oh, I don't know. They just kind of. One fella lost his arm and his hand in a corn picker, and he he was just an old farmer. I won't bring him up, but anyway, I was a dad down to his house. He says, "Dwayne, I got just what you need." He knew I was left-handed, and he gave me his old left his old left-handed net. <laughs> Ugly old thing. <laughs> I used it for three, four years. I was about to say, Played you were a, a baseball man. And I felt so bad because when he died, I I had it. I had hooked it up in the barn somewhere. It just get out of the way, I guess. And I, he had two boys, and I thought, I wished I had that net, that baseball net, because they would appreciate that. That's their dad, and it isn't worth a nickel. Did all most of all the padding was out of it and everything, but you think I could play? That's still bugging me. I wished I could have given them that their dad's mitt that he played with when he was a young man. There's an outside chance <laughs> I have that mitt. There is a a mitt that was I know it's generational to the family. Um, it's one that I know at some point came into the hands of my uncle Jay, and I believe it was a. I got the idea it was a family heirloom mitt of some kind. I don't know if maybe he found it in the barn or not. It was an ugly thing. But the, uh, the, I mean, it was, the only reason is who it belonged to. And I knew the boys. Now one of the boys are gone, too. But uh, one of the boys is alive. But I'd love to give him that mitt if I could find it. Well, I will see while I'm in town if I can find the mitts, because it's probably in my parents' storage shed. Yeah. But I always bring down the one that I'm thinking of if I find it. And if that's it, that. That might be a moment we have to turn the video cameras on you for bet. that hallmark moment. You bet. But I there's a I know there's at least one mitt somewhere in the ecosystem of my parents' property yeah. that uh, where that might be. But I just that, don't know if that's in Chicago. It's funny my how house. things like that you think of over the years and how much more they are worth to you. I mean, just not money wise. I'm talking just emotionally, and it's just something that they had and and. Uh, I would know if somebody brought me something my dad had. Uh, at Rotary, they made him a great big mallet because he was so big. Yeah. <laughs> he had that. I don't know what happened to that. I, no, it wasn't worth anything other than memories. Oh, sure. It, <clears throat> it was kind of a joke. 
that big old net. Well, I think I've seen a photo of that a time or two. Could be. Yeah, I've, and it's like a almost comedically large, not quite like a oh, yeah. you know a, a test of strength mallet or anything, no, 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 but no, no, no. definitely north of the size of a oh, yeah. a reasonable gavel. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I'd yeah. like to dive into Dwayne, you know, the for for the kids today. Yeah. You know, the an average day for them may be a school bus or a ride in the folks' car or going up to the new. CS High School, the the newest of the well, new CS high schools. But what I what would a day a, look like for you and your youth going to school? Oh man, I I'll, I can start kind of slow. We lived, of course, there at the farm, and the old Clovel School was just a mile east. Country school. Charlene Greenman was my first and second grade teacher, and Joe Lobig was my kindergarten teacher. And believe it or not, I rode a bicycle, kindergarten, not kindergarten, but first and second, I rode a bicycle to school by myself. I was big stuff, of course, we didn't have near <laughs> the traffic then. And it was a little country school, there were 13 of us kids. Sandy Swartout was one of them, she was Sandy Billick then. Bernabel Carver was another one. And me, we were one of the bigger classes, three of us. But uh, I think there's 13 in the whole school. It went through eighth grade. And when you got in high school, over the years, then you'd go on, and, or when you got to high school age, ninth grade, you had to go into town, which <laughs> is in climax. But uh, for some reason, they closed down the old level school, and I was moved up to the village school where... Dave's Bargains is now, and I went there from there, fifth, fourth grade, fourth, fifth, sixth, on up, uh, sixth and seventh, we were, no, seventh and eighth, we were shipped to Scots, and the Scots, we'd, in 47, the, the uh, school went together. Right. And... Uh, we were the big kids. The seniors, the junior, the high school in Scotts all came to Climax, along with the Climax kids. And then we had the two elementaries later on. Mm. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, I spent seventh and eighth grade in the old school. Now we're tore down in Scotts. And then the rest of high school, where Dave's Bargains is. That was the schools. That was, and I graduated in '52. So, you, by the time you were in school, so what, the schools were merged the whole time no. you were in high school age. Then, yeah. Did, oh yeah. Okay, I was yeah, trying we, to think of the timeline. We of, did that merger happen? We merged happen? in seventh grade. Okay, gotcha. Because yeah. that was '47, you said, right? Mm -hmm. That yeah, that's what my mom and I were talking about just before I came yeah. down here, and then. Yeah, because we I was asking her, because I was trying to load my gun a little bit about questions I could fire at Uncle Dwayne. And well, he'll give you an answer. It may not all be truthful. But <laughs> no, one cute little story. Well, that's the beauty of the Internet. A half-truth is a whole podcast. <clears throat> well, I'll tell you, I was in the seventh grade going over to Scott's, and there was a lot of new kids. And I was just getting to where I figured out what girls were good for. They, you know, when I was a kid, they couldn't run, well, other than two, but uh, they couldn't run as fast as the boys. They couldn't throw as far and all that kind of stuff. But I started saying, hey, I kind of liking girls. 
Well, I was coming down the stairs one day at school, seventh grade, and we just got going again. A gal down at the foot of the stairs said to me, Doy? Yeah, I, said, I didn't know who she was. I don't know where she got my name. She says, Judy Hayward likes you. <laughs> and I said, you know, I was a big seventh grader, and hey, a girl likes me. Wow, I got to find out who this is. Well, long story short, I was married to her 52 years before I lost her. We we spro we uh, when the we come back over to climax. Judy was a little bit behind me in in school, a year behind. And uh, Scotts and climax were too uh, too far apart, so we were we weren't uh, girlfriend boyfriend. I don't know if we were just likes, whatever that <laughs> is. And. Uh, then when we all got in high school, we started going together. And uh, a lot of stories, a lot of the climax in Scott's kids, if you go back, are married. They're, they made families. They had, if, at first, things didn't go together real good because that, nobody wanted to lose their identity when they first put the schools together. Mm -hmm. But as time went on, there was so many, so much intermarriage that, well, we better get over that. <laughs> and now that's pretty much gone, that kind of stuff. And we couldn't decide where to build schools. Or it was a, it was a tough time, but yeah, it was a good time. And we had lights on the baseball field when I was a sophomore or junior. I can't, sophomore, I think. Oh, don't make any difference. And I've seen people, it was so new. Uh, Willie Rowe used to take tickets. Some nights we had over a thousand paid tickets. Oh my God. To a high school baseball game, mainly because it was at night and it was new. That's and, tremendous. I had oh, no idea about that. We had no idea. And uh, I can tell you a lot of stories about that field. And probably some of them are true. <laughs> now, was which field was so that would certainly not be the current baseball field. Where was that baseball right. field? It's the Bob Weiss's field. Oh, it is that. So it is the same field. Yep. But it was four foot lower. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one summer we uh, this is all long after I was out of school. We did a big change over there and brought, took the outfield. It was so high and it's still not level, but. <clears throat> Right field used to be about four foot higher than home plate. You really thought you had an arm when you <laughs> were throwing downhill, you know, hit toward, <laughs> in the home. But uh, we had a lot of fun, played a lot of summer ball, had the huge crowds uh, uh, to the all the playoff games. They were just made up playoff games. They'd just invite teams to see who could win. But it was big stuff. And we uh, had big old bingo tents and Tractor pulls, the official tractor pulls were good. They would pull on a, a conventional sled. After it was all over, guys would go up in the corner with their tractors and hook them drawbar to drawbar. <laughs> oh, jeez. <clears throat> and pulling them apart. And see who could pull the other one backwards. <laughs> and that was more fun than the tractor show. Nobody ever got hurt either. We saw a few tractors rear up a little bit, but. <laughs> oh man! And then probably a fender or two fell off here and there. Um, yeah, I don't remember any accidents. 
It doesn't mean there wasn't, but I don't remember. And it was kind of a accident waiting to happen is what it was. <laughs> God, if it, you even pitch that idea now, oh, oh. my God, this can't happen. Oh. Like, oh man, All I can think of right now is, God, I'd love to see that. Gosh, that'd be great. They had a lot of fun. That sounds like a lot yeah, of fun. You get the Van Middlesworth boys and Piper boys and... <laughs> Most of that bunch are all gone now, but they had their tractors and they were ready for it, you know. And nobody got hurt. Everybody had fun. It's, yeah, the kids were a little more durable back then, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> got your fifty pads, your your two helmets. You, so, now nah, we just we just went out and played outside. It's this weird oh, thing. Oh yeah, a lot of funny things happened though down there. I remember on Fourth of July. Hey. Everett Wieses, your grandpa's brother. He was down there standing by the confession, concession, concession stand, <laughs> the concession stand, and he he was lighting cigarettes off his, his or he's lighting um, for uh, firecrackers off of his cigarette, <laughs> and he he'd pop one out there all of a sudden with a finger. He lit the firecracker and threw the cigarette away. Oh, jeez. You want to see a surprise? <laughs> he was just like he was in shock for about a minute. <laughs> and bang, <laughs> Taking a, dr a drag with a kick. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a stiff lucky strike. Right? But it, boy, was that funny. <laughs> and maybe that's an unlucky strike is what that was. Oh, but a lot, we had a lot of fun down there. That, you know, down the road was when I was uh, out of school. We uh, one summer we just changed that ball field all around. It did a lot of leveling and everything, mm -hmm. but it's still we, we had a lot of fun down there. And we had a lot of fun at school, at, at high school. Uh, I could go all day and bore you with it, but uh, yeah, that was pretty much my schooling. Uh, I took a few classes uh, in agriculture, but I knew what it was going to be. And, I, went, I worked at CBS Hytron for a year. That uh, place made real, er, uh, um, TV tubes. Okay. See, you don't have those tubes anymore. Yep, the old CRT televisions. Was it Cafe Ray tubes? Is that uh, what they were? Or were these uh, predating those? Predating them. Uh, it'll come to me. If not, I'll make something up. No, I can't. <laughs> I, uh, right now, Cathode Ray tubes. Cathode gray tubes. Gotcha. And uh, 21s, 29s, 27s uh, were what we made mostly. Uh, the tube itself. But I, I worked there and worked the farm. That's kind of the way I got started on the farm. Well, at what point did you now, the farm generationally, now your father ran the farm just about yep. a mile outside of downtown Climax yep. there. Yeah. And then uh, what year did you take over the full-on operations of the farm? Ooh. Ish. Yeah, <laughs> what year-ish? <laughs> my dad kept a pretty good hand on me, and, I, and a good one. No, he didn't hinder me. So many fathers will let the farm would let uh, the kid, or they'd work them in and start taking over the farm. and they, But they'd tell them everything to do. Farming work is too hard to have somebody hammering on you. Yeah. You want to do, you, part of the reason you do it is you want to be on your own. And so it was a long takeover. 
And when he died in 75, even then, oh, I thought, I'm going to miss that guy. His, his advice, his, he'd sat so many times when he got sick, when he got older, he'd sat at the front of the Milken pit, uh, there in the Milken parlor, in the morning, just because he couldn't sleep, come out and visit with me. All of a sudden, he's gone. It leaves a terrible hole. That was seven days a week. But, uh, no, I, I probably, I started buying the equipment, uh, personal equipment. Oh, man. It must have been about 60, about 61 or two. Okay. And after I got the personal equipment all paid for, then I went ahead and uh, we bought the farm. We bought the farm. And uh, that took a lot of years. But um, then I did the same thing with my son. Now he's doing the same thing with his son. Works out pretty good uh, for everybody. Which of the sons has taken over the reins of the farm? Well, it would be Russ's middle boy, Matt. Matt Drowlett. Uh, so Matt and then his wife is Dawn, right? No, no that's Derek and Dawn. Derek and Dawn. Matt and Debbie. That's right. Hey, you're good, well, all you're the, good for a stranger. All these D names. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I knew that I was going to be playing with a cow when I was in grade school. Uh, we had all Swiss in those days, all brown Swiss, and we sold a lot of registered stock. Good thing we went into another type of dairy farming because uh, all that registration kind of it's a very low part of dairy farming now very low these 2,000 cow farms but we most we ever milked is probably 150 and we tried to milk them three times a day and you found out you're living in the barn and all we were doing was trading money so about what extra feed they took, they'd mm -hmm. about cover that. And so we went back two times a day. But now Matt and, and Russ, but uh, it's organic. It's 100% organic. It's taken us five years, well, a little over five years to really get it. So we qualify first rate. So we ship all our organic products now. And that way, we don't have to milk 2,000 cows. And that's kind of the way we do it now. We got a lot of good self-help, and some of the other grandsons, younger ones that are coming up, and they're helping out. And uh, where a lot of people don't have the labor, we got lots of labor. When I think Matt's going to bring back the freaky farmer strength we were talking about with Dwayne Senior there, <laughs> just a mountain of a man Matt's turned out um, to be. He's almost stronger than his body can handle. He's <laughs> Sometimes he hurts things by just trying to lift too much. But I I watched, well, it's been last spring, last fall. Last fall, I had a couple of tractor weights in the back of the truck. They were about 120 pounds a piece. And I'm getting to where I can't lift much. I'm getting a lot of atrophy, and the strength just goes. But anyway... I said, Matt, you want to take those out to the back of the truck for me? Yeah. 
Oh, well, I'll get that, Grandpa. Well, he got that, Grandpa. He walked up, picked one up in each hand, and walked off with it <laughs> into the bar and didn't even grunt. Yeah, that sounds about right. 240 pounds, 120 pounds in each hand. Uh, good night. But uh, he's had a few little problems he had to repair <laughs> because he lifted too much. But he's okay now. And he's had a little heart trouble, but he's going good. He's nothing serious. And uh, we're very lucky. You know, all of us get this carpal tunnel deal. I've had it. Russ has had it. Now, is that from gripping of tools, or what is? What do you think is the common ground there? I don't know. Like it's I, just I don't the, have any clue, really. Well, you've got so much perspective of now, gosh, between your dad, yourself, you've got four generations yeah. of ownership of that farm. My perspective is only the mid-90s or so when Suzanne was... 1934 was the original purchase. Goodness gracious. Who, and who had it before Grandpa? Did he buy the land and build the he farm? He bought, yeah, when I was just a young fellow, 1941. He bought, uh, he, he was on the farm in 34. The okay. year I was born. Gotcha. <clears throat> he actually bought the farm in 41 from a guy by the name of Fred Melman. He lived in Kalamazoo. He was a, um, well, he was a new car dealer, and I can't remember what kind of cars they were, but he was a new car dealer, and this was kind of his hobby farm. He's, well, even a hobby farm, he liked to make a profit. Well, he'd had other guys work there, and he, Dad always wanted to work that farm. He come down one day, and he offered him the farm to work, not to buy, to work. And Dad worked it for, he jumped at the chance. He was down at Fred Junkie's the, those days. He was there just a couple years because he wanted to go on our farm. Well, anyway, he got out and he, he uh, just, you know, that's the way he got started. And he bought the cattle. He says to Fred, he, Dad told me, he says, <coughs> Fred Cook, him down and told him he wanted him to buy the farm. He wanted to sell it. He wanted to buy. Dad says, I don't have any money. And this happened more than once, not just Dad. Fred says, I know it. I'll finance whatever you want to finance. So the first thing he did, he sold him the cattle. His other, Dad already did have half the cattle. Sold him the other half, and when he got those paid off, he sold him the farm and carried the contract. Well, and that's provided for like we just said multiple generations of our family at this point presumably more generations down well, the road i hope so we uh, part of the reason we went organic it wasn't all just health reasons we can make a living without milking two thousand cows yeah. well and i'm trying to think like my most familiarity with the farm is from mid to late 90s when suzanne yeah. did the afternoon milking yeah. after school and there were a couple times i would go down and help her out or at least loiter while trying to be productive. And I think at that time, the herds kind of fluctuated between maybe 80 and 100 yeah. around that time. But <laughs> You know, Diane, or, uh, Suzanne, she's a great gal, but she would tame everything on the farm if you'd let her. <laughs> she, she, is, she has always been a, a lover of animals, oh, for sure. She, she'd come out with her camera, and go, we had a few pigs in to clean up milk that we had to throw away, you know, but and stuff like that, uh, she'd be out there taking pictures of, <laughs> of pigs. And she was even trying to tame them. 
<laughs> every cat on the place knew her, you know. You yep. all got barn cats, but they all like Suzanne, and she was a good gal. She was a good gal. I remember she always liked to uh, help Grant with, Grant was on calf duty yeah. at the time, um, or around that same yeah. time. Yeah, she uh, was a good kid. Well, I know, I actually just, uh, I told her yesterday, I said, guess what? Got a guest you're gonna like for the podcast. Got Uncle Dwayne. She's like, oh yay! Yeah. What's what I love? Just small town, and I think this podcast is kind of showing family or not. There's just so many people that I can just sit down at a table or wherever, turn two microphones on, and to me, it's this isn't even a podcast. Like I don't have yeah. no, I don't have notes in front of me. I don't yeah. have some agenda or bullet points. Just yeah. let's sit down and th- there's so much just general conversation from folks in this town. That, that's fun to listen to. Well, we could even pick on your own mother. Oh, well, let's. You've probably heard the story about Sharon when she was just a little girl. She must have been less than five. What's your name? Seeny Lee Weeses. You ever hear that? Well, I, I know that one because uh, the uh, grandchildren of her brother, Bob Weeses Jr., yeah. Uh, most specifically, his daughter Sarah's uh, children. Okay. Uh, she was always Seeny. Yeah. Like that was the name, and I believe that was partially because of that story. I think, yeah, you're probably right. That'd be the run of it. Yeah. But I also believe that uh, Parker Lawrence, Sarah's oldest boy, yeah. I believe he also could not or had trouble pronouncing Sharon at a very young age, and I think yeah. it may have come out Seeny yeah. as well. But there's been family recipes that have been renamed as such. Like yeah. instead of Sharon's beans, they're known as Sini beans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny how you, why do you remember that stuff? Things that like to, it was real serious. Maybe I don't remember as good as some of the nonsense. <laughs> oh, the nonsense to me is some of the best stuff about uh, yeah. just, there are things that happen growing up in and around this town that, it does not compute to city folks. I've lived in the suburbs of Chicago for nearly 21 years now. And even when I've tried to tell them something as simple about, say, maybe a Newell Sinclair story, I first have to set up, well, who is this person to you? Well, there's a girl I went to school with K through 12. Her dad went to school with my mom K through 12. Well, it's his dad who owned the store. And there's like, you know these people yeah. people are like what they like beyond maybe their immediate neighbor they have no basis for like who who a lot of folks are oh, in the world yeah. but to me that's one of the best parts of climaxes you know sinclair is probably one of my favorite people and did you go to his funeral yes i did that i was gonna say if it was, wasn't if you weren't there you're the only one that wasn't no i i was Remember that was before i left town was well they had to the move school. it to the school and the they gym to, and that school is full mm-hmm that was, I think, the only time in my life I'll ever experience a complete sellout yeah. for, a, for, a, for funeral a funeral service. And I remember that day, was about, the funeral was about over, and, and uh, the choir saying, take me out to the ball game. I was doing real good because he was an old friend. I looked over and thought by the name of Tom Kidd who was over there. And together, when they started singing that, both of us, that tears just shot out. Just, I think I don't know if there was a dry eye in that house because that was a I, I, <clears throat> that was a moment. I had to go pick on Tom because we were both ball. <laughs> and yeah. and neither of you are easy nuts to crack when it comes to oh, I don't know, but, showing that little uh, 
that little bit of motion in a public place. But that was everybody in town. Well, when you get older, you, you show more emotion, <laughs> believe me. You know, now, you know, I look back and there were some tough times growing up in our little community and our little family, and uh, we lived through them. God has certainly been gracious to me. I, uh, I wouldn't have changed a thing. Well, now, thinking about over the years with the farm, I'm sure there's so many uh, so many different companies like where the milk has gone. I think yeah. so many people have probably consumed Drawlet Farm milk, but it's not like you grab a jug that says, you know, Uncle Dwayne's Moo Juice or well, something like that. No, we, for years and years and years, we were with Michigan Milk Producers Association. And then uh, when Russ come along, uh, we could get a pretty good quite a lot better price from oh that's right over here into the fort and I can't even think of the name of it now I don't get the checks for a long time so I can't remember <laughs> now but uh, was it roll off no, no I didn't think yeah. not roll off uh, oh anyway they come out and wanted to do a a uh, advertisement at our farm for their milk and they're, they're pretty much uh, this area wide, clear down. Well, we got friends in St. Louis. They put this ad out, and it was at our farm, interviewing us. They called us up. They saw the ad down in St. Louis, Missouri, before we it was even aired around here. And we sold it at uh, Prairie Dairy. I'll get it, Prairie Dairy, for years. And then when we went uh, to... Uh, uh, what do you call it? Organic. When we went to organic milk, we went to uh, Horizon. Okay, gotcha. And uh, they're a big. Yeah, they're. Too. Well, honestly, if you said Kevin, name one brand of organic milk. I think that's the only one I would would know. That's yeah. in virtually all the grocery stores yeah. by me in Chicago. Yeah. And yeah, and so we're. But that's been the three over. That's 34, right? No, not 30. You see, when that first started, there wasn't Michigan milk. Dad, before I was in it, they just marketed it to the dairies in Battle Creek. And sometimes he said he had to go in to, before he got paid. He'd have to go in and wait for the guys that were dead. That's when they delivered milk. Mm -hmm. Bring the change in so he could get some paid. Yep, different time that a lot of folks may not get the reference but you'd get the you know couple glass the big heavy glass bottles too like we aren't talking a yeah, well you're easy plastic jug you know your <laughs> grandpa worked a long time at roll off where he went to where he went to uh consumers mm -hmm. yep yeah 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 we had a lot of fun bob and i did you know, those old guys, you just got to miss them. You know, see, I go, I, I knew George Sinclair, knew his dad. And Maud, his, his, uh, knew his ma. And <laughs> that's part of getting old. Either. You remember some of their names and some of them <laughs> you got to scratch on. Yeah, you and, just got to rattle a little bit. It's in there. Yeah. And a lot of stories, a lot of things that we've done together over the years. 
Well, I'm thinking of just how many of those relationships were kind of uh, built and grown through Rotary. Like you've oh, been, yeah. I mean, are, are you still going to the Rotary meetings? Yep. Although I just saw the sign, they're still every Wednesday yeah. from 12 to 1. Yeah. I was I got into town like an hour too late yesterday. Otherwise, like I, oh, I want to get up to a Rotary meeting yeah, sometime. Yeah, got home cooked ham and mashed potatoes and gravy and and it'll grow hair. <laughs> well, I think the last time I was at a Rotary meeting, you had set it up because at the time I had just started singing the barbershop with oh. uh, Carl and Adam Swagger yeah. and Jake Kaderi, yeah. and you had. I think it was you that set that up where we came in and sang the national anthem and a couple yeah. of polecat tunes. Yeah. And just yeah. to see that Rotary's still going strong. And I think it's great you're 89 years old and you're still hitting Rotary every week. That's yeah. amazing. Well, yeah. I told you, God's been good to me. And uh, I ain't what I used to be, but I, uh, so many of my friends, there's only, I think, seven of our class left. And, sobers you up you know you're getting old but yeah I uh, years ago I sang in a quartet a barbershop quartet and it was a gospel barbershop quartet those are the only one I never heard of because they're either they're gospel or they're or they're barbershop <laughs> but we went around and I was 45 at the time been longer time ago and the other guys the oldest one was 27 so it was kind of the old man and the kids, but uh, I miss that. We, for three years, we were so busy singing and about every weekend in churches, and uh, I miss that. I, I like barbershop, of course. Mm -hmm. I like the harmony, good harmony. Uh, well, that was one of our first bonding points was when you found out, oh, I got the barbershop yeah. itch there in my high school days. That yeah. kind of became one of the first things that we could kind of sink our teeth into because I'd love to say I was a dizzying conversationalist at 13 or 14 years old. I think the barbershop's <laughs> got the um, the best rendition of God Bless America of anybody is out there. To me that is the top arrangement. Yep, I, I know the one. I don't know that I could sing it today but yeah. I know the arrangement. You know even the, the first part of it? Oh gosh. Now this is where I'm gonna, sh I'm gonna show yeah, my I'm age at 42 here. I'm turning the thing on you. Um. I just remember it's because God bless America is also the. No, I'm wait. I'm confusing two songs because there is, is it America the Beautiful? That's also God Save the Queen. I think I'm I'm confusing two songs I, in my head because there's one I'm, that's I'm really different sure. patriotic yeah, tunes to Great Britain and to, to uh, us. Uh, but they do. They have the greatest. But it's, I'm pulling a blank, I, I, and I wouldn't try to sing it alone. But it's. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure I can get my hands on a recording of that for you. Oh, I've got the book, and I've got. We had to learn for in 1976 when I was singing Active Barbershop, we put on a program with the Kalamazoo Barbershop, put all together, because it was our centennial, you know, our bicentennial, and. Uh, uh, we had all those, and we had a whole book of stuff we had to during the Civil War and different songs that come out, mm -hmm. and we did it with the Kalamazoo group. We did it and, and at Kellogg's, and we also did it at uh, all the big Miller in Kalamazoo, and that was fun. 
we had 80, 90-some guys. That's a lot. That was fun. And yeah. the, the guys, and they could sing. We had some good singers. And, of course, we had the Harmony Hounds. They were a comedy group, mm -hmm. a quartet. And uh, <coughs> we, uh, you know, we just, it was a fun time. I, I liked that singing that barbershop harmony. Well, it's a unique thing for, you know, you and I have the common ground. We don't have to, there's so many just unspoken things we understand with that, but it's, it's kind of one part of camaraderie thing, one part of if you enjoy music. It's not like anything else that's out there music-wise. It's a very unique genre and even more unique cast of characters inside of that. Because yeah. years later, I probably sang with some of those same people because the Swagger Boys, uh, Jake Kaderi and I, were part of what was then the Mall City Chorus, but it was yeah. the Kalamazoo Mall well, City we Chorus. Well, with the Mall City. That, so that it was, was the same the, division. That was the chorus we sang with there. And then they used to have the men's chorus. It wasn't barbershop, but... Kalamazoo. I don't know if they've still got that or not, but that was they were good. Yeah, I know that the the last I'd looked into it, Mall City Chorus was still going. Yeah. Um, and I believe one of the guys who joined right as I was uh, getting out of barbershop, I think he's the director now yeah. of the chorus. But I'm sure some of the we sang with a lot of crossover people. And I usually say I didn't so much sing as much as I made a harmony behind swaggers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Adam was always kind of been a buddy of mine he's uh, he didn't know i'm not yet a hundred years older than he is <laughs> he's just one of the guys when he visits Schroeder, he's just one of the guys you mm -hmm. know adam oh yeah he fits just about anywhere yeah and believe me i'm trying to get any number or combination of swaggers for for this show between the the stories oh. of the family and just oh, common yeah. ground i mean i went to school with carl k through 12 yeah. adam was only two years ahead of us so in the high school years we were yeah. basically peas and carrots and yeah in into various things some some on the up and up make you happy about adam he's a married man with kids now i don't know how many times i've been with scott going through scott's for something he's out there playing with his kids i told him one day i saw him he visited rotary and i said i don't take that this day and age i said i don't take that uh lightly i i see you raising your kids and he said well i'm having as much fun as they are yeah and no anatomy probably yep is. i i wouldn't dispute that one bit yeah <laughs> well and so many at you know, this day the default's kind of okay let's put an electronic device in the hand and yeah. but just yeah i'm glad i am very glad to hear that i'm not surprised oh. by it one lick but i'm also no, very no, glad no. to but hear I, that you knew that he's going to be a good dad yeah. he couldn't help himself that's the way adam is A lot of good dads in that family. I mean, gosh, so many generations of swaggers and kin and marriages and things. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. the the bloodline of Scots. Yeah, well, it's one of them. <laughs> it's one of them. How about the Haywards? Well, that's. I was going to dive into some Haywards. Them, you know? Although, yeah. Well, you got to know the Hayward family pretty well over the. Pretty well, pretty well. Yeah, yeah, they're good, hardworking people. Well, we, we obviously, we already mentioned you married Judy. Yeah. So you're married to Judy for a long time. And some other relatively famous in Climax names, that's going to be the same. Uh, that's 
a family tree line to George Hayward of George and Eleanor Hayward, if I'm remembering right. You're remembering perfect. And then Eleanor is actually somebody, if anybody out there knows how to get a hold of Eleanor Hayward, I'm trying to chase her down for this podcast. People have requested her. She was one of my favorite teachers growing up. When we get done, I can get you George's number. Oh, that would be amazing because I I know there's a few listeners out there who've said, hey, can you get Eleanor Hayward? I'm like, I, I would love to. I'm just trying we'll, to we'll get in ahead, touch with her. I'll just, I'm just thinking, I think I know where I've got it in my pocket. <laughs> oh, George, we have to get together. George and I, we, every once in a while we have to talk. Well, yeah. maybe we can all meet together up at the history room or something and just yeah. turn microphones on and see what happens. Yeah, that would be fun. Because that's the beauty of this show is you get any combination of people, you just turn the microphones on. You see what happens. Yeah. Well, I think it's in there, but so is a lot of other things. Go ahead. Well, now, looking at, you know, you, you raised an entire family, you know, kids, grandkids, and now great kids. And you said one great, great grandchild is, is with us now. Yeah. Uh, what do you think were some of the advantages you may have had just as a parent being in uh, the smaller community, the the farming community, compared to if you'd have tried to do the same or well, similar dreams and aspirations in the city or anything like that? I know that nothing against Chicago or Detroit, but I, I'm about the right distance from them. I'm comfortable here. And uh, I don't like traffic. I don't. I love the people that I live around. They, we don't always agree, but you and your wife don't always agree either. <laughs> and you still love them. <laughs> and uh, I do. I, I, I love the people around here. And uh, I, I don't have to look back and say I wish I'd done something else. I think I did just what God had for me to do. And it's you know, that's just kind of, I like my community, I love my community, I love my friends. Uh, I like working with, you know, cattle are a lot easier to work with than people. <laughs> I, I can agree with that, for sure. And so I got off there pretty easy. I, I, now and then, I've never had anybody kick me. I've had a few cows <laughs> kick me, but uh, our... Di <coughs> Our disagreements a little short, don't last long, <laughs> and I understand. But no, I uh, I like what I've done, and I wouldn't change it. I don't think. Every day isn't always easy on the farm. But uh, I noticed one thing you know, when we were when we were losing Brittany, and we had the other three kids with us because they were gone so much taking care of her. Uh, I could come home from the farm, and maybe I was down a little. But one of the kids would come. I'd quite often see the mail, sit down and read the mail, and climb up. I'd be sitting in the platform rocker. I told other people this. I didn't sit there probably two minutes, and here comes somebody, usually... Natalie, crawl up and lean back, and I'd start rocking a little blood. That's what you do. She'd look up, don't rock, don't rock. I think the mo, 
you know how hard it is sat in a rocking chair holding a little kid and not rock. <laughs> it's just against the law, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a, a born in reflex for the most part. But you know, the day it wasn't so bad all of a sudden. Got through the day and and uh, I th- thoroughly enjoy my family. Can't name them all. <laughs> right now we're pretty broken hearted. We've got one great grand. It's my wife's great grandson, eight years old, and he's terminal. Oh dear. He lives in New Zealand. They're missionaries there. That's kind of the short version of it all. But we're pretty tore up about that right now. So you, you take the good and the bad. It, it, big families are wonderful, but you you had a little few extra heartaches too. Yeah. But you got so many more blessings. I'm the happiest one of the kids, any of them. Well, and even with the look at the extended family too. Just over oh. Thanksgiving, I was able to get to Jackie, your daughter Jackie's yeah. house for a little bit, and I don't know when the last time I saw Jackie was, but. Suzanne, her current beau, and I just showed up at Jackie's house, and again, it was just square peg, square hole, perfect fit, and we're we're off to the conversational races. I didn't see you here. <laughs> well, that was because I hit the road. I had oh. to get on the road back to Chicago because I know Suzanne and uh, Radoy had we came. We had down. a good visit. Of course, I, I love the girl. She wants to make herself up look a little funny, but I know the girl underneath all that makeup. She's a sweetheart. I uh, w- we sometimes joke that she is the modern bee. Is that it? Yeah, it's Good when you look at our bloodline and our relations and characteristics. I th- I think Suzanne or Nanny, as I call her a lot, I think she's the modern bee. Yes. Just doesn't care what the the norm oh. might be, but would yeah. Here you, I am. You, take me as I am. Yep. You bet. No, I know what she is, and I know what her how soft her heart is, and uh, that the outward <laughs> doesn't mean fiddle diddle to me. Yeah. Well, just looking at the closeness of the the smaller town and the families, I mean, when you think of how many families have no idea who their cousins might be, I mean, in climax, if you yell, "Hey, cuz," half town's gonna go, "What's up?" Uh, but I mean, Suzanne was a first cousin. We grew up. We were born four days apart. Grew up about a mile and a half I didn't apart. Realize you were that close in age. Yep, four days, four days apart. And now she's in the Pittsburgh area, and I'm in Chicago. Yep. But we still talk all the time. Do you? Like, yeah. and a lot of times about climax or climax-related yeah. yeah. things. Uh, but just the maintaining that closeness with the family. Not not all communities get that. No. Well. I don't know. I've, uh, I'm comfortable here. Uh, it's been just a place I've always felt safe, been accepted. I don't have to put on any dog. I'm just me. And I'm accepted as me. And uh, that's the way I like it. Well, I wouldn't have you any other way. <laughs> <laughs> It ain't gonna change now. <laughs> well, you've got a pretty good thing going here. You've got oh. got your own home. You've got your lovely wife. You've got about anything anybody could ever say they wanted or needed in life right now. Oh, I've got everything and then some that I need. I'm not a rich man. I'm not gonna. There's not gonna be a big fight over my <laughs> my uh, what I leave behind. But. I've got every, absolutely everything I need. 
uh, and I'm not in an old folks home. I have nothing against them. I'm glad we got them. Uh, they're there for a reason, and I'm glad that reason has hit me. I, I, I like being old right here, and I can still go out and play with the tractors. I have to be a little careful because, like I tell people, I go out there and what I don't back over, I back into. <laughs> no, I, I, but I try to stay off 94. I don't like to drive at night anymore, especially if it's raining or if I'm someplace I don't know, but which I get almost none of that. Yeah. But uh, I just, <laughs> I'm just content, very content what I'm doing and just uh, see what the kids are up to and go to some of their stuff go to their parties and get a few granddaughter and grandson hugs I even get a hug from Ralph <laughs> he's not even a grandkid he's a nephew <laughs> but we hug Ralph and I big old hug <laughs> King Ralph well tender-hearted as he's been. He's not as big as he used to be, don't seem like, though. I think he's lost a little weight. Oh, for yeah, definitely, for sure. Uh, it's, he's, yeah. yeah. The once upon a time, the strongest man in town is yeah. just the barrel-chested king of the bench press, him and Tom Kidd razzing each other up in the yeah. weight room a couple times a week. But, yeah. Well, Dwayne, just looking at probably bringing this to a close for now. Sure. Any parting words of wisdom or advice you might give the the folks out there in climax or otherwise the the secret to your longevity, bits of wisdom, any any parting words you might have for us. If you want to live a long time, eat three meals a day. There we go. For a hundred years. Now, if I eat more meals, do I live longer? I don't think so. <laughs> I think that works the other way around. <laughs> No, I longevity. I don't. Uh, I know I'm like a lot of old people. I look at our world right now, and uh, oh, I look at Putin and I see Hitler. I look at different things, and uh, I'm I'm glad my life is over almost. That sounds crazy, but it don't look good the future for my kids and I worry about them and my grandkids more than that because we've got some idealism stuff out there now that's so sick and people people don't eat with their families anymore don't seem like we you know supper time we had the family there dinner time you had depending on what day it was but families are disjointed now they talk on these machines too much. Uh, and I sound like an old guy. I know that. I am. But uh, I think it's going to be tougher. People are going to have to try even harder to, to live each day. Because uh, I'm uneasy about a lot of the decisions that are being made in a I don't really know how to change it. Well, I'm I'm just hopeful that we can all work together, everybody in Climax the World, to look up from that 
phone screen every once in a while. Maybe, you know, I sometimes will joke with people, you know the best way to make your phone battery last a lot longer? Yeah. Put it down every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, I go in the area, I see people going around like this. They're, you know, they've got that mm -hmm. phone. Well, it's not wrong, but don't miss life. It's not here in this corner. You just, well, our kids too. I know it sounds corny, but especially the ones over in New Zealand. They got on a Skype. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you get to see them and talk with them, and it's that's wonderful. Did you ever try to hug Skype? It's a little stiff, yeah. It's you know what I mean? Yep. That part's missing. Uh, that part, I, I just seem to, you know, they're around. But uh, I don't have any you're, great you're, advice. You're good. You can say anything you want. I can edit this. or <laughs> It's still recording, but I can do all kinds of crazy stuff. Were you going to come out and help me? We were just getting to the, the wrap-ups here. So. Um, yeah, don't carry my problems. I'm clean. <laughs> she, she doesn't seek the limelight. <laughs> Never has. But I, I excuse her for that because she's a good cook. <laughs> you know, there's certain things that are important. You always marry. Now, if you get married, get a, get a good cook. I don't know when the pandemic hit and I had extra time on my hands, basically being out of work and everything, I decided to try my hand at some barbecuing things. I, I got pretty darn good with the, you know, the vegetables and the side dishes are definitely secondary characters, but the <laughs> meat or the star of my dishes, like I'm done pretty all right. But when you, you live alone in your forties, you kind of have no, you either got to figure that out or either go hungry or pay $40 a meal for a delivery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, some of those $40 meals, I'll take them fry, fry up a couple steaks here and yep. <laughs> cook some potatoes. Uh, I don't need a lot of fancy food. Uh, I mean, I look at these shows on television, these cooking shows, and sometimes they'll have so many ingredients in, I'll think, well, how can that's such a mishmash. Why not keep it down to three or four things you <laughs> like? Do you need all that extra twiddly dink stuff in there? Well, sometimes I crack up at the cooking shows because they they always act like everything they're using is something that everybody has in their house. Oh. Like, so what we're gonna do is add just a dash of ground saffron. Like, sorry, I'm I'm fresh out. Yeah. <laughs> I and I've got a pretty good amount of spices in my spice rack at home. <laughs> But I'm like, I yeah, this, uh, or the an internet craze. Everyone wants to talk about this A5 Wagyu Japanese beef. And I'm like, I don't know how many people looking at their phone screens right now have $200 for this one steak. Yeah. Oh, dear, uh, you're talking to the wrong guy when you talk about <laughs> that kind of money on a steak. Yeah. No, we we eat good. God's been good. Uh, you know, Judy, she, you know, I'm married to her 52 years. And I was married to Nancy a little over five years. And because uh, of cancer, we paid a terrible price. 
the starting your life over again is, is tough. God knew I was a wimp, I guess, because he, he sent me a real helper. And uh, I'd be very lonesome, very lonesome now, living alone. You're probably used to it. Me, uh, not me. I don't want to live alone. Well, it's part of the reason I'm taking active steps to actually try to get back home from Chicago because the older I get, that I'm, I'm not cut out for it. Like, I'm a... I wouldn't say a social butterfly, but I thrive on conversation and interaction. The next door here just passed away. They need to buy his trailer. <laughs> you know, move right out here, and I could have Kevin. You, you could. You're young enough. You could mow my yard. Well, no. Actually, I'll I'll tell you. I got kind of a plan in transit. I'll tell you about when the microphones are okay. off because I can't quite let that cat out of the bag in the public okay. eye yet. Yeah. But just to, for the sake of, forget that thing's <laughs> but for the sake of bringing things to a close, Dwayne, thank you for joining Climax, the podcast. You've just got so many great stories and context of the history of the town that yeah. wanted to make sure that if I was home for a couple days, can yeah. carve out some time to talk to Uncle Dwayne if he, if he had the and opening. Don't be afraid to edit that because you won't hurt this guy's. <laughs> I had nothing to say astounding that'll change the world. <laughs> So edit what you want, guy. (laughs) All right. Well, through the magic of post-production, all things are possible. Thanks again to Dwayne Drollett, Jr. You're very welcome. All right. We're back here in the suspiciously my basement-looking studio. Thanks again to Dwayne Drollett, Jr. for joining us here on Climax the Podcast. Next week, we have another archival episode from the Archives of Prairie Historical Society, and I'm not sure which one we're going to do yet. I've got a couple tapes to convert, so you'll find out next week when that episode drops, but it's going to be something fun and definitely historical. Like I do at the end of every episode, I implore everyone to like the show, follow the show, leave us a review, a comment, or subscribe. And just a reminder, subscribing on any of the platforms is completely free. And I mean free-free, not Hit free, you forget it's a trial, seven days later you get a bill that you don't realize you're being billed for till like 12, 18 months later, and then you go, what's this charge going to free? No, free, free. It's free now, it will be free forever. As always, thanks for listening and doing all that you do to spread the good word of this love letter to a small town here on Climax the Podcast. I'll talk to you guys next week. (laughs) 